Welcome back to Travolta. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Recapping the Travolta exploitation era. Enjoy the episode. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Not me, man. Not me. <laughs> uh, folks, welcome to the the final episode of Travolting. For now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trapped in my own wrist. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, this might not even be the last episode of Travolting this week. <laughs> what? You might have another episode next week. Oh, oh. You know what it is. Yeah, we talked. I about do it. know what it is. Okay, it's it's not that exciting. Yeah, it'll be fun. Okay, uh, but yeah, this is the last episode. Um, thank you for listening last week to our episode of the Fanatic. Thank you for listening all. Oh my word! 62, 72 <laughs> weeks. Seventy-two weeks of travolting. A year, almost a year and a half. A year and a half of this podcast. Wow! Thank you for listening and. Coming through with us through this journey through the career of John Travolta. Can you believe a it? A lot of people doubted we would we would finish. A lot of people thought we would drop off at some point, but we never even skipped a week. We never did. We had to come up with some bullshit ass episodes, <laughs> <laughs> like the wickedly talented Delta <laughs> uh, We had to come up with some bullshit ass, but we did not miss a week. No, we did not. For seventy two weeks, um, every week we talked about a new John Travolta property of some sort. And uh, you know, I just I just feel really good about you know this feels like a, a a big accomplishment, a big graduation, you might say. Yeah, it's a big graduation. This is our graduation ceremony. Yes, it is. And like, it might be a silly concept, but it's still I feel good about this. And, and yes, yeah, so this is the final episode. So there will be a lot of we gotta like close some books, just like Carlo Gambino opened up the books for the first time since 1957. Bring him back the Gotti. We gotta close the books. Yeah, we and do. Re- recap a lot of like our overall thoughts on this project and Travolta's career, and do our rankings and talk about the hair ranking and all that stuff. But before we do any of that. This episode is the Travolta exploitation recap, so I want to micro focus on this past era. Yeah, and talk about where he's gone from the last time we did a little recap. Yeah, um, I mean, this we had a little bit of a interesting off footing start with yes. this because we had this little weird period period where we were like, "What movie do yeah. we start the Travolta exploitation?" It was either going to be Taking a Pelham One Two Three or From Paris with Love, right? We never really figured out which of them was the correct one, but we went with Taking a Pelham. I I think that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Because it's like Taking a Pelham really does establish yeah. him more as like, he's a secondary. Yeah, a heavy. He's a heavy. And like, our argument was against doing that was that Old Dogs is kind of the end of his A-list era because it bombs so hard he gets, his Disney contract gets pulled. Yeah. 
and then he just goes into these action movies. Which I think, logically, it really should be Old Dogs from Paris with Love, but I think Taking a Pelham does so much like start laying the seeds that it's fine that we did that. Yeah, I agree. And, and so we picked up this era right after he did Bolt mm-hmm. with Taking a Pelham, which starts like laying the seeds for this era. Yeah. Where Travolta kind of segues from being like a big A-list actor in Hollywood. Like, you know, one who's popping up in big movies, has the clout to make a Battlefield Earth. Even if that was an atrocious movie, it's a quite an accomplishment that he was, like, a successful enough actor he is able to make that happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, he had the clout to make Battlefield Earth happen. Um, the kind of guy who pops up in Austin Powers and cameos and, like, can make a sequel to Get Shorty 10 years later. He's 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 playing in the big dogs for that period. Right. And this is the era where he fall he leaves that. He's out of the stratosphere. And you know, he's up there with you know your Tom Cruises and whatnot, and he falls off. Tom Cruise is still flying up there. Top gun. Right. Um But John Travolta, he's segueing out, let's say taking the Pelhams and Old Dogs are like his last real star turns, like in real movies. Which by the way, taking a Pelham, as we established, not a bad movie. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Old Dogs? I have uh, a few moments. Old dogs, we were. <sighs> Old dogs is, it's quite a movie. It's a strategic movie to talk about. Yes, Old Dogs is a movie that has nothing but hate in its heart for the audience. Yeah, kind of entertaining though. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a provocative movie intentionally. And then from Paris with Love, which do you remember anything that happens in the movie? Nope. Uh, it's cocaine and strippers, and that's about all I remember. Yeah. And then our first bullshit episode. We've yes. never done a bullshit episode beforehand. This is our only one. Yeah. The wickedly talented Adele Dazeem. Yes. That was our full bullshit episode. It's like, we need to get something next week. And so we just recorded that. Yeah. And then after that was Savages. Savages. Which was his last, like, big movie. It was his last real movie. Yeah. And he's he's firmly in the supporting area in that. Right, yeah. He's the and in that where it's like, he's still, like, you know. In it. He's in it. And he's not bad in it. He's fu- Yeah, I like him in it. There's something to be said about some a lot of these movies, which is like movies that are bad. Travolta's it, not the and problem. Travolta's not the problem. And there's and movies I, that are bad, and he is yeah. part of and the And I'm not saying he's even good in some of those movies, but he's not bad, which is there's a very fine line to be drawn. Travolta's yeah. like, it kind of feels like his career, as his career kind of collapses in this period, and he settles into, you know, cheap action movies and supporting roles and other things. Yeah. It feels like he just kind of changes his his approach. Mm-hmm. And he starts either going big or not caring. One of There's the no, two. like, in between. Yeah, because then we, we get the next series of movies, yeah. uh, which are all sort of in the same vein of each other. Yeah, it's with, all like red box movies. Like Killing Season, The Forger, the Forger Life, Life on, on the, the Line, line. Oh. Criminal Activities, In a Inter- Valley of Violence, Violence I Am Wrath, Gotti, Speed, Speed Kills, Kills Trading Paint, The Poison, Poison Rose, Rose, The Fanatic. And we can kind of just talk about them all as one lump sum. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say Gotti does sort of stand out. Gotti does stand out. Just it's because important. that is a mission yeah that's him trying to do a thing that is that's him trying that's him trying to get himself back in the a-list world yeah thinking that we're making the next good fellas this is the movie that's gonna push me back up there he put a lot into that movie yeah Uh, and it did not work out i think that's what really just kind of 
sends him over the edge. Crushes for lack of a better spirits. term. Yeah. Because, you know, your movies like Killing Season, Forger, Life on the Line, he's he's working in those. Like, he's putting the work in. Yeah. They're not necessarily, like, they're not good movies. I like some of them a little better than others. But he is, he's co- showing up, and he's basically still doing the same style of acting he's been doing his career. Yeah. Like, he's not really going over the top in Killing Okay, he's a little over the top in Killing Season. I take that back. Uh, what? He's Excuse a little me? over the top in Excuse Killing me. Season. Life on the Line? A little over. Tell Bailey I love her. Yeah. <laughs> but through that area of movies, which I would say is Killing Season through Gotti, or he's still doing, he's still using his old bag of tricks. He's still acting like he's in the A-list area. He's picking the character. He's playing the character. It's, I think Gotti is the movie that really like, the back-to-back failures of I Am Wrath and Gotti. It's the nail in the coffin. Are the nails in the coffin. Where he like starts just really going over the top with the performances. Yeah, he stops trying to act and just starts like, I don't even know what to call it, bamboozling, um, bamboozling, because like speed kills Gotti, training pain. He's just like yelling. Yeah, he's like just waving his arms and shrieking the whole movies. It feels like he gives up trying to do like real movies. Well, it's like training paint and the poison rose, like. I don't know what he's going for. Yeah. I really, do. I don't see him making an attempt in either direction. Yes. He just, it, that's like, oh, he's I there would, for the paycheck. Yeah. I would call those the paycheck movies. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, when I first saw, cause speeding kills, he put a little bit of effort into that. A, a little. little bit. It's the movies like Gotti and God forbid the fanatic where you feel like he's actually putting work in. Yeah. Um, and it's misguided work. And that then trading paint and poison rose, I don't feel like he's putting any work. He literally is just showing up, reading the lines, finding his light, and goes back in his yeah. trailer. So I, I, I mean, it's not a good trajectory. Yeah. And it's it's a bit it's a bit hard because yeah. it's like we've seen this guy succeed, reach really high highs in the yeah. past, and I think. You know, it's this episode we really have to contemplate the questions with ourselves is, is John Travolta a good actor? The very beginning of the show. Yeah. We asked the question, not that question, but we asked, what is John Travolta's deal? Like, what is, we just want to figure out, like, what kind of actor is he? And we do have to answer that this episode. I think we should segue into talking about the overall arc before we answer that question. Yeah. Because I do just want to, like, finish summarizing, you know, this past little era. Mm-hmm. Um, what did we, in the past, did we, in the previous two recap episodes, did we do anything special in this? Well, I mean, we picked our favorites, favorites our least favorites, and then we picked an underrated. Yeah. I mean, maybe we just wait until the overall ranking. I mean, do we want to do that with this recap era, and then we do I that I feel like with... there's a lot, a lot of ranking in this episode. Sure, sure. Um, so maybe we just wait until the we do the general thing. Because, I mean, I will say, like, just real quick, I would say my favorite in this era yeah. is Taking a Pelham. Yeah, Taking a Pelham is my favorite in this era. With, Good movie. It's hard to even call that yeah, a Travolta exploitation. the opening episode of it. Yeah, it's hard to call that a Travolta exploitation era movie. If we go with From Paris as the intro, I mean, Gotti was my favorite of this era. Um, I know it was. I take it back. If we go with taking uh, from Paris, I think like it has to be savages in a valley of violence. Maybe I, I would say almost in a valley of violence, or at a pure entertainment purposes, 
Life on the Line. Life on the Line was kind of a bop. That was so entertaining to watch. It so it's rid- just so ridiculous. And so I mean, I said in the guy episode, that's the most entertaining movie I've ever seen. Honestly, it really is so. If you're with your buddy, like yeah. I, I actually would recommend if you're looking for a movie to take a dump on. Yeah. Just drink a bunch of alcohol, smoke weed, or whatever. Watch Life on the Line. Watch Life on the Line. You will have a hoot Life of a time. You'll have such a good time watching that movie. It's so over the top, ridiculous. Yeah. It's I I can't. Life on. I might line. watch that movie again with my friends just to yeah. make fun of it. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I love her. <laughs> Let's restructure what happened there. For the uh, power of Grayskull. <laughs> <laughs> what if you go in full Thor? All right. Yeah. But yeah, I. That's really his. He just kind of becomes a laughing stock in this era. This this era was tracking his collapse from failed movie star to laughing stock yeah punch punchline of hollywood guy who wins a razzie every year yeah um and it's, it was just kind of sad to watch that decline i'm sure the audience knows we lost a little energy in the back half here yeah we did uh it was movies like you know when we're just like we're sitting in a room and we're talking about speed kills trading paint the poisoners for like four or six hours it's it's like what else can we do what right. else can we talk about yeah those movies don't have any interesting context like at least with the fanatic we had stuff to talk about yeah but the other movies, it's just brutal. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know where Travolta goes from here. I, like, because he has a few other movies coming out, but I don't have any hope for that because yeah. none of the directors that are attached to those show any promise. Yeah. Let's... I, feel, I would just, I want to yeah. say, like, oh, yes, yes. I feel like the only thing I can think of is like, like, you know, the people versus OJ, which yeah. we have not covered on yeah. the show, nor we will, we probably ever will, even though I would like us to cover the people versus OJ, but that's fine. When we uh, do Travolt. Don't, don't, I don't even want to. Travolt TVing. I just don't even want to instill hope Travolt in the TVing. audience. Uh, and so I, I, I would just like say like the only thing I can imagine bringing John Travolta a sliver of fame and hope back is the TV world. And it's like one of those things of like, we talked about this in the first era in the second era, or maybe the first era where like when he had his first missed up with blowout, he was so stuck to the leading man aspect that he couldn't fathom taking any other roles that were not that. And that sort of extended his first downtrodden era. And now in this third era, I feel like he's in the same way. But in this part, it's like a leading man, but B, like films. Yes, like he's a movie actor, and I would just love to see him do like a season, yeah. a se- on like a, a mini series. Or I think, I mean, he did Die Hard. That was a Quibi thing, right? Quibi, which does not exist, does not exist. We were going to cover it at one point, and then I realized it was a Quibi show. Yeah, it's only an hour and a half total because Quibi was so short. So it's kind of the length of a movie, but yeah. it's not a movie, so we're not covering But it's like, you know, he he does a really good Robert Shapiro yes. in People vs. OJ, and he, like, had some... I don't know if the Die Hard was good or if yeah. he was good in it, but, he's like... He's having fun in it. He's having fun in it, and I would just say, say it's like he needs, like... He needs, like, a very top-dollar showrunner executive... Yeah who's known for so many good shows to like pick up a new project yeah. and to pick up John Travolta, not as a lead. I would not put John Travolta as the lead of a show, yeah. but like to be like some sort like I, I started watching Ozarks. Yeah. Um, you watch a lot of shows. I do. Yeah. 
Um, I, I started rewatching Ozarks. I say rewatching. The first time I watched it, I made it through half of season one. I stopped, and yeah. it, now I'm picking it back up. I'm on season two now. Forgot how good of a show it is. Mm-hmm. And I just think of it like, you know, John Travolta could be like any one of the supporting characters that have small through lines, threads that yeah. beginning, middle, and end in one season. And I, like I feel like he could he could be like one of the FBI agents yeah. in Ozarks, or he could be one of the rednecks in Ozarks, yeah. or he could be one of the drug dealers in Ozarks. I wouldn't cast him as um, uh, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. I wouldn't put him in Jason Bateman's role, but I feel like he could serve a purpose in that realm somewhere. I think I'm gonna just dive into my thesis on John Travolta. Okay. Overall, let's do it because it ties into what you're saying. Yeah. I. Answering that question, what kind of actor is John Travolta from the Devil's Reign episode that we posed the very beginning of the show? My answer is John Travolta is an actor who doesn't understand himself. Hmm. Travolta, every failure and every success has hinged on someone else understanding who he is. Yeah, not him. Travolta is a man who's confused about who he is and what his appeal is. Right. He thinks his appeal is tough guy or like leading man, good all that fun stuff. Yeah. His appeal is that he's kind of like, he's funny. Like he's funny to laugh at. He's kind of a goof. Yeah. And he doesn't understand this. Cause think about every success that he's had more or less. They've all hinged on him being like aloof and goofy. Hmm. His character on, uh, welcome back. Cotter Greece. Even in Greece, he's pl- Greece is John Travolta's career. Greece is a movie about a guy who thinks his whole appeal is that he's tough and cool, when in reality he just is a song and dance man, a goofy song and dance man. Yeah, Greece is Travolta's career arc. Hmm. Is he keeps trying to be Danny Zuko, right? Like the tough biker, when in reality he's Danny Zuko, who's you're the one that I want. You know. Yeah. Right. That's it. He's he's not Grease Lightning. He's you're the one that I want. How would that carry into Blowout? Blowout is an interesting case. Um, but even that movie, like he's a guy in over his head. And yeah. that's what De Palma understands about him. And that's what everyone like Travolta doesn't understand about himself. Is his whole appeal is kind of seeing him as like a lower sass guy in out of his depth. Guy who doesn't understand himself, goof. Mm-hmm. And every great role of his has played up that front. Yeah. Like, Pulp Fiction brought him back by making him, like, in on his own joke. Hmm. And then Travolta doesn't get that. He thinks the appeal of Pulp Fiction is that he's playing a gangster. And that's why he does it a lot. Yeah. But Pulp Fiction, the appeal of him in that is that he's in on, like, Tarantino is in on the joke of Travolta. That's funny when he does these things. Yeah. Because he doesn't fit. And then he's like, well, people like me as a gangster. Clearly, I fit in that. And he never fits. But, like, how does he not get it? I I just don't understand, like, how he doesn't, like, how the two dots don't connect for him. I think he's just a guy who likes to project, like, a tougher energy than he has. I think he's a guy who's confused about himself. In more ways than one. And that's all I'll say in that front. But I think it all ties together into why he doesn't understand what his appeal is and what the roles he should be taking are. Yeah. And yeah, to follow that up, I mean, it's like, 
it, it, it's fascinating to me that in the downtrodden era of the 80s yeah. that he had, that he looked to a family franchise to be a saving yes. grace. And the thing is... I think that's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. And the thing is, I think it, he's kind of good in those movies. Like, he's a good... That's a good fit for him. Yeah. Like, every... I'm, I'm looking through his career right now. And, like, all the roles where he... Like, our favorite roles of him have all been in on the joke. It's like the hmm. Nick Cage thing. Yeah. Nick Cage um, got good again once he started being in on his own joke in a real way, which kind of culminated with the unbearable weight of Mastodon, a movie I didn't love, but, like, he's good in it because he, he understands, like, his own humor. But, like, Nick Cage kind of had, like, a self-reflection, and he realized people think I'm a joke because of these, mo- these like, movies I've been doing. Let's weaponize that and make a movie like Mandy, where he's hyper in on the joke. Or Pig, where... You think he's in, like you think it's a joke, but the joke is that's bringing you in with this ridiculous premise to make you emotionally feel something. Hmm. Yeah, and Travolta's ne- Travolta doesn't understand that. He doesn't get like he's never in on his own joke. He takes all the wrong lessons from every victory. I think that goes into what I was saying er- yeah. like, earlier about what would it take for him to yes. like find any shred of hope or glimmer of fame again. You have to have somebody who understands that yeah. about him. He needs to either understand that about himself or people need to understand that about him. Yeah, the directors. Because, like, uh, Broken Arrow, it was his first big villainy role in the A-list era. And the appeal of that is that he's playing an over-the-top, like, ridiculous bad guy. He's weaponizing every aspect of himself that we love, like his aloofness, his goofiness, in on his own joke. Like, he knows... The character knows how ridiculous he is. Yeah. And Travolta takes out of that, people like me playing bad guys. He doesn't, like, take out of it, oh, I need to be goofy more, or, like, over the top is where I thrive. To, uh, how does that sort of translate, then, with his role in the Disney movies? Like, Wild Hogs, Old Dogs? Well, I don't I don't think there's a direct connection between those two. I mean, like, he starts playing bad guy. He starts, like, getting into bad guy territory. Yeah, I just, I only brought that up because I would say that was, like, the quintessential family comedy rules yeah. for him where he takes on that aloof goofiness. Yes. But he kind of, he gets it in those ones. Or he works with someone who does get it. Because Wild Hogs say Travolta, what you will. Travolta's going to do it if he gets the role. And he gets, like, offered that portrayal. He'll play the goofiness. He'll play in on his own joke. But he needs someone to guide him to that. Hmm. He needs a director who gets that joke. Walt Becker got that joke. Yeah. Like he gets that Travolta's naturally funny when he's kind of in out of his depths. And then those movies don't succeed financially. Wild Hogs does. Old Dogs doesn't. And rather than understanding that like, well, I should still stick with like, you know, being funny or like in on my own joke, even if the movie's not funny my character needs to be out of his depths in that. Um, He starts doing movies where the character is like the upper status, high class character. Like I'd almost say taking a Pelham is the quintessential version of that. Yes. Where he totally out of his depth. Yes. The character's all out of his depth. That's so hyper confident in his abilities. I would almost say every movie where Travolta's out of his depth has been kind of good. And every movie where he's been above his depth has been kind of bad. That's not exact science. But I think that roughly correlates. 
Yeah. Because, like, even in, like, Mad City, primary colors, even. Like, primary colors, his character, he's, like, struggling to put this campaign together. Yeah. And he's sort of aloof to his own yeah, sins. his own sins. I don't, like I said, it's not an exact sense. Like, the thin red line. He's just, he's playing a general. Like, there's not really much you can say about It's that. a cameo. It's basically. a cameo. Um, but that's kind of where I like I feel about Travolta is he needs to play low status. Hmm. Yeah, that again that goes to why I was saying like where I think he could go in the future. That I really mm-hmm. think if he plays like a, a smaller cog in a machine yeah. in a giant TV franchise, yes. like a imagine giant- if he was one of the like I think uh, just throwing this out there. I know people are gonna hate me when I say that, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um. Imagine a season of Game of Thrones where Travolta gets introduced as a blacksmith. Yeah. Or something like that. Something like, like so, not may, a knight, go but in the like Yellowstone g- universe. Cause that's a, that's a sidebar about Yellowstone. That's so insane that there's Yellowstone and they made a prequel called 1883 and they're making another prequel called 1930. There's going to be like seven Yellowstone shows. Yeah. But Travolta could do something like that. But I go back to yeah. o- o- Ozarks because that happens a lot in Ozarks yeah. where like, you know, with the um, with the drug cartel ring going on, and they're moving to the Ozarks yeah. in Missouri, you have these redneck hillbillies who catch on to Larry Bird, Jason Bateman's character and his scheme, and they want and they kind of try to slide into it, not knowing the full depths of it. Yeah. Like they don't realize stealing millions of Larry Bird's dollars comes from drug money cartels, and I feel like if Travolta was in that shoes, that would be a and in a, a not perfect, but that would be an interesting parallel. I would love to see him in mm. where he just like comes across like, you know, a drug money in some way where yeah. he feels like he can do something with it, not knowing the full ramifications yeah. of it. And I feel like he might be starting to get the memo. Really? Because right after the fanatics failure, he does three to tango, which kind of feels like a reintroduction of his like fun goof persona. Yeah. And since that point, the choices he made, um, Die Hard, it's my understanding he's funny in that. Like, he's kind of playing up his, like, he's in on the joke yeah. of himself, playing a bad guy in that. Like, he understands it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then we we have to see what Paradise City and American Metal are like. Because those will be the real answers to the question. I'm worried that he's not going to get the joke and just play a tough guy in that. Yeah. Which he can't do. He can't do it. Right. It doesn't work. No. We've learned he d- tough guy Travolta doesn't really work. I think a perfect example of what you're saying is she's so lovely. Yeah. Because this is a guy who tries to play tough guy. Yeah. Who is so out of his Yeah, depth. he's out of his league. Yeah. That's an... I would say she's so lovely is much like Greece, a great parallel for Travolta's career. Yeah. The character in that is Travolta playing himself, essentially. Yeah. Always trying to project and be a tough guy in movies, when in reality he's kind of just a sheep at heart. Yeah. He just wants to sing and dance. He's not he's not the guy who played football in high school. He right. was in the theater. Yeah. So he's just not playing the football guy. Yeah. And I don't know if it might be as simple as that, but I definitely think there's some, you know, correlations that yeah. are falling in place here. Um I, I I don't I don't want him to do like so much like a musical again. Oh yeah. But I definitely think in that sort of vein I kinda I kinda want to see him on a musical again. Really? I would like to see him do a musical. I don't know what, but I'd like to see him do a musical. I'd like to see him start playing 
more ridiculous types again. Start getting in on his own joke. Even if the movie isn't, like, a comedy, I'd like to see him start playing more roles in that vein again. This is where, like, Robert Shapiro and OJ comes in, too. Because you have this lawyer who feels like it's a slam dunk case, but there's just so many other elements in play that keep... And that work... I haven't seen that show, but, I like, my guess is it works... Because clearly Robert Shapiro is kind of just an over-the-top person. He is an over-the-top person. Like, that's his whole bit during the trial is that he was over-the-top. Yeah. But he's also surrounded by so many other hotshot lawyers, and they have, like, a dick-measuring contest. Yeah. Again, pervasing, tough guy, big head honcho, what deep down at heart, Robert Shapiro is the plea deal guy. Yeah. That's the joke they make in the show. That, oh, Robert Shapiro, he he makes himself look like he's a big lawyer, but at the end of the day, he's just going to cut you a plea yeah. deal. And a guy who's projecting something that he's not. Yeah. You should watch The People vs. OJ. If not to cover it, just to like watch yeah. that parallel. And, and I'll get to it one day. Mm, I don't watch TV that much. I know you don't. I've been rewatching The Simpsons for like five months. <sighs> I'm on season three. Good God almighty. Um, we'll never that's end. how slow I go through TV. Wow. Um, good show. Yeah. That's, I I just keep repeating the same points, but that's where I roughly feel like Travolta's at with me. I kind of that's the answer to the question we posed at the beginning: is what kind of Travolta, what kind of actor is he? And he's an actor who doesn't understand himself. Yeah, and maybe you might think he will, but I am not confident. I'm not confident, but I'm hopeful. I'm not confident, yeah. nor am I hopeful that he will ever understand it. Mm. I mean, I I just feel like John Travolta is is going to be who he is a man of the past who is known for his pulp fictions his grease his saturday night fevers and a guy who pops up at the oscars and presents an award every now and again you're like what happened to that guy right exactly yeah it's like what's john travolta been in lately and then the the ice breaks when you realize oh yeah he really hasn't been anything since the early 2000s yeah anything a note yeah so yeah i mean i don't know i don't know man i I, I, I go back to my TV thing. I'd love to see him in a supporting role in a big franchise like a, TV show. A big ensemble. He would be a great addition to an ensemble. So, I'll put him in a fucking Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, so Robin Williams. There was a time period where Robin Williams went on TV for a while, later in his career, uh, where he just played, like, single one-off episode characters. One of no particular that I always think about is Law and Order SVU. Mm-hmm. He plays this guy in Law and Order SVU who they suspect is guilty of some sexual allegation case. And uh, yeah, Merritt Rook, one episode in 2008. Mm-hmm. And like, he's just in it for one episode. That's it. And he got nominated for an Emmy. For that one episode? Yeah, Robin Williams. Like, Travolta could do good, like... And the thing is, he doesn't understand his appeal, so he wouldn't want to do this. He'd see it as, like, probably a downgrade. Doing, like, guest spots on TV shows, like... He could be good at that. Yeah. Like, imagine if he played a corrupt Chicago politician on a Chicago TV show. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Did he really get a nominee for an Emmy for that? He did. Rob Williams got nominated for an Emmy for his Law & Order episode. Wow. That's good. But yeah, it's just uh it's yeah. it's something that I think about a lot. That yeah. like, wow, 
like Robin was actually pretty good in that one episode of Law and Order SVU, a 20 season running yeah. show. Um, he was in one episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. He was one episode of Saturday true. Night Fever. Uh, one episode of Wilfred. One episode of Louie. Um, then he did the crazy ones, which was and like I I hate to say the word it I hate to say the sense it's like sad to see a movie actor go to TV. Not anymore though. I'm still like such a movie person, dude. I mean, like I know, I know, I know that it's not. It's anymore. really not. I almost feel the reverse. Mm-hmm. I hate seeing TV actors on big budget movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'll tell you, on okay, The Eternals. Yes. When I saw half the Game of Thrones cast on The Eternals, I damn near wept because mm-hmm. I thought no Kit Harrington, uh, who's the other guy that plays the main villain Icarus uh, and Eternals, bro- uh, Robert Stark, but I cannot remember what his <laughs> name is. Uh, Eternals uh, Richard Madden Richard Madden Like no Richard Madden Because he was good In the bodyguard Afterwards mm. Richard Madden was in The bodyguard And he was really good At it too Yeah uh, Same with So like Kit Harrington And Richard Madden Like yeah. I don't I, I'm the reverse mm. I don't like seeing Like big TV names Jump into an MCU With Star Wars yeah. movie I don't want to see that I don't yes, want to see And I that. would agree On those franchises Necessarily But like something I was bummed about recently Is Oscar Isaac Gets out of Star Wars. And I was really excited for he, like, he has free time now. And he does some great work last year. Like, he was in Dune for a little bit. Do, like, a marriage story. The card counter, he was great. He did that limited series. uh, What was it called? Um, Scenes from a Marriage. He does a lot of that stuff. He has a great year. And then he jumps into the MCU with Moon Knight. Which is a show I thought was okay. It's fine. Yeah. He's great in it, but it's fine. And it's just kind of a bummer, um, because he had to turn he turned down the new Francis Ford Coppola movie, which is gonna be his final movie, Megalopolis. Now Adam Driver starring in it, which is great. I love Adam Driver, um, but I'd rather see Oscar Isaac in it because he fits he fits into that pastiche more for me. Yeah. But um, where was I going with? Oh, I was I was saying I hate to say like Travolta should go to TV because I don't like seeing like movie actors go to TV when I would rather them just stay in movies. But I think in his case, it would be the right move. Yeah, I definitely think mm-hmm. it would. And I think uh, American Crime Story is an example yeah. of why that would work for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could think of multiple roles that he would be really good at, too, for it. Like, Travolta's at an age where he can still fit in a great number of roles for a supporting number of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really have as much of a paragraph thesis like you yeah. have, but it's mostly going to be the same thing you said. Yeah. That I thought my favorite movies for Travolta were kind of similar, yeah. where he was out of his depth. Well, if, you keep going. Well, I was like, they were also yeah. just like good movies yeah. too. Like they were also just like good movies. They were also just like helmed by good directors. Yes. And, and good, it, it typically comes down to good directors know how to make actors work for them. And, and it goes to me, it's like maybe he needs to like take a page out of. I, I hate to say like DiCaprio's book, but like any other person, where it's like. Maybe you should wait for like a a decent director to come knocking. I don't think that's gonna happen. Though. Well, then maybe he should wait for a good TV he, director to come. He's knocking. basically got to do the Nick Cage thing: drop your ego and just do and find these projects, even if you make no money off of them, which I think is part of the problem, that you can just attach yourself to and like shine. Yeah. Well, vis a vis. Talking about our favorite movies from this. Because you said, like, my favorite movies are Helmut Geiger directors. Let's talk about our favorite movies from this. Let's talk about our least favorite movies from the show. 
Oh God, there's so many. Uh, do we want to limit it to the recap or of the era three or overall? Overall, let's do our top five and bottom five. Okay. Um, I really should have prepped for this. Oh, wait, no, I did prep for this. I did rank. I kind of sort of prepped for this. I'm like, I should have done that. And I'm like, oh, wait, I did do that. Um, so I'm pulling up my list right now. Yeah. Okay. I got it up. All right. Let me know yours first. Okay. So here, this is, I'm going to do my bottom five first. Okay. I think the five worst movies we covered in descending order or my five least favorite movies we covered were Moment by Moment, mm -hmm. Battlefield Earth. Number four? Battlefield Earth is the fourth worst movie I think we covered. Wow. Moment by Moment is the fifth worst movie we covered. Battlefield Earth is the fourth worst movie we covered. Chains of Gold is the third worst movie we covered. Chains of Gold is worse than Battlefield Earth. The Fanatic is the second worst movie we wow. covered. Wow. And White Man's Burden is the worst movie we covered. On this wow. podcast. My descending order, bottom five, moment by moment, Battlefield Earth, Chains of Gold, The Fanatic, White Man's Burden. Whoo, lordy, 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 Jeff. Um, okay. I would have to say for mine, uh, it would be Lucky Numbers. Moment by lucky moment. numbers, lucky numbers. I fucking hated lucky oh, numbers. I was really into lucky Wanted numbers. to punch my eyeballs out. I like lucky numbers. Lucky numbers, moment by moment. The experts, <laughs> white man's burden, battlefield earth. But no fanatic. Wow. Uh, well, I might take out lucky numbers and put fanatic. At yeah, you better five. put some respect on Nora Ephron's name. Uh, Nora Ephron's still the sixth worst movie of Travolta <laughs> covered. Uh. I'm going to do my top five then. Like the other ones are just boring. Yes. There's a lot of just boring movies. Yeah, there's a lot of boring movies that like either had moments I was entertained by or they were like movies that I just. Yeah. But movies that offended me yes. that I was like, what? Those the are the bottom five. Those are the bottom five. Um, and I mean, we're not, I'm not going to say the uh, mm -hmm. Travolta Christmas music video yeah. one. So Just wiping that away from my memory. My top five. Your top my five. My top five. I want to emphasize. These are the five movies I was the most entertained by and enjoyed the most. I love that you add that disclaimer. I'm adding that disclaimer. My top five movies we covered on Travolting. Saturday Night Fever, number five. Okay. Pulp Fiction, number four. Wow. Carrie, number three. Hmm. Gotti. Number two. Oh, fuck you. Gotti, number two. Blowout, number one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then I will say for mine, um, I also came prepared for it. Um, face Off, number five. Mm -hmm. A Love Song for Bobby Long, number four. <laughs> so ridiculous. Saturday Night Fever, number three. Pulp Fiction, number two. Blowout number one. Glad we both had Blowout as our number one. Yeah. The best movie we covered, the buddy. The best movie we fucking covered. What a great It was movie. episode 12. What a great <laughs> Yeah. It was 60 episodes later. Yeah, literally. Uh, love song for Bobby Long. A, a sneak, a sneak a in. A sneaky entry. A sneak in hit A for love me. song for Bobby Long is my number 30. I put it 
like for so I made like a PowerPoint for yeah. it. And I oh, shared you did it. do a PowerPoint. I shared it with my girlfriend. But like I wrote some notes for each of them and I might even post them like maybe on our Instagram or something. But mm-hmm. so for my notes on a love song for Bobby Long, it's uh a classic Stuart Elmore movie. D- full of heart. Yeah. Damn near surface level subtext with its story and a family oriented theme. Stellar cast and then the only movie where Travolta's southern accent is somewhat warranted. It works. It works. I forgot Boris and Natasha is my actual number. Oh, oh no! Mr. and Mrs. Obi. Wait a minute. Where uh, Can I replace another? Oh, you want to? Replace. So, wait. I might. I might. I mean, I'm keeping the experts number three. It was offensive to me. <laughs> it offended your sense. I wrote in his like. Uh, and my notes for the experts, Travolta is well into his 30s and tries to play an 18-year-old. His mullet. Oh, God, his mullet. The plot is dumb. Acting is way over the top goofy. Wanted to bash my head and watch this movie. <laughs> uh, moment by moment, my notes. A romance with Lily Tomlin and John Travolta, but the two have absolutely zero chemistry. Travolta is still young in this and completely missed the the mark performance-wise. The music is so seductively weird, mm-hmm. and his name in the movie is Strip. Strip. <laughs> Lucky numbers. This is just a weird movie about a dude who tries to rig the lottery, but also the mafia is in this. Kind of good movie. Uh, Lisa Kudrow, Phoebe from Friends, is in this, and I don't like her. <laughs> no <laughs> real reason. I just don't like Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> so the thing about Lucky Numbers, the thing about Lucky Numbers, very forgettable. It would be a note. good movie if it was directed by like, the Coen Brothers. Sure. Nora Ephron just doesn't have the sensibility for it. Um, but I still liked it more than I didn't. Well, you're wrong, but I mean the fanatics also like offensive. Yeah, offensively. The fanatics fat. like actually offensive. I would I would bump lucky numbers down and put fanatic in number mm. five, and then Boris and Natasha. That one didn't like, like it. Did. You were just sick of my shit. That I day. was sick of your shit. Yes, and I think like, that's just a movie I wouldn't watch. Mm. It's not a movie I would burn. It's a movie I just wouldn't watch. Burn it down. Yeah, I would burn all five of those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, I wanted to pose one more though. Yes, and something we've done in the last ones, but underrated. Underrated. If anything has changed, it may not have changed. Because I think we did this in the last recap episode, and I think it, I don't think mine's going to change. If you recall, I think my last one was perfect. Mm-hmm. Nineteen eighty-five. Perfect. Underrated movie. A very underrated movie. These aren't movies that I'm trying to think like are underrated by the general culture, right? Well, like, Perfect, I don't think Perfect got a fresh Rotten Tomato score. It did not. It got a poor one. And it, it wasn't really well-seed by audiences either, I don't believe. Uh, 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. 4.6 on IMDb. Mm-hmm. That is obscene, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Obscene. Good, pretty, that is the most underrated movie we cover it, and that... It's not a great movie. It's not a great movie. But I liked it a lot. I liked it well enough. It's great performances. Great performances. And I think... And I'll, great chemistry. I think a lot of the movies we covered aged well. And movies like Perfect or, God forbid, Swordfish. <laughs> like, what seemed at the time, like, just, like, stupid. Over time, like, there, there comes a charm with looking back at them. Yeah, I, I I have decided that I am making a Jeff look. <laughs> John Travolta rewatch list. Just to watch back to back. Uh so I'm gonna rewatch Blow Up. I'm gonna rewatch Perfect. I'm gonna rewatch 
I don't think I need to rewatch Swordfish. It was somewhat recent. You should rewatch Swordfish. I it was too recent. Uh, I'll I'll rewatch a love song for Bobby Long. Of course you will. I bought you a DVD of it. I know you did. A love song for Bobby Long. I don't need to rewatch Ladder Forty Nine, even though it was a pretty decent movie. Uh, I don't need to watch anything newer than that, and know what I want to. In a valley of violence. I, I think we might have like over like hammered down on that movie. It was fine. It's just fine. But it's not like yeah. offensive. It's just fine. Um and oh I wonder I would rewatch Primary Colors. Primary Colors is good. I like that movie. I, I just was, like anything dealing with politics, so of course I liked it. Yeah, Primary Colors I would rewatch. A lot of his like late nineties era stuff was yeah. good. Oh yes. my God. He well, I mean, a, it's, it's the post Paul fiction. Bump. Yeah. Primary colors, mad city face off. She's so lovely. Michael phenomenon, broken arrow, get shorty. What a run. What a run. Really good stuff there. Really good stuff. Uh, and then there's white man's burden after that. But yeah. We talk about that. Um, I don't know if I'd rewatch a civil action. I th- I know you liked it more than I did, but yeah. you turned me around. I don't think it's a bad movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a decent movie. Yeah. Um, I would rewatch. I I think that's about it. I think that's the only movies I need to rewatch for right now. Um. Well, Stuart. Yeah. We we just did our rankings. I feel like there's one more ranking we got to talk about. What's that, Jeff? The hair ranking. Cue the music. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen to the final hair ranking of the Travoltine podcast. Stuart, is, he has a laptop in front of him. He is ready to read the entire hair ranking. We got to start from the bottom. We got to start from the bottom. If we do. We do have to start from the bottom. Yes. Okay. So, 73 movies, Jeff. Yes, 73 movies. I'm pulling How it up How is it 73 phone. movies if there's 73 episodes? So... There's some... Oh, there's some double looks. Yeah, there's some double looks, and there's some episodes that we didn't have. It timed out to the exact amount, funny enough. Did I not put uh, a score in for the Poison Rose? You did not. What did but I it put has in, a position. What did I put in for the score for... Um, uh, uh, trading Paint? Trading Paint. You did put scores in for that. Where Where is Trading it's Paint? 26. 26? Why the fuck is that 26? <laughs> You liked it. Why the fuck did I put training paint? Well, I guess the total score is like 14. But I don't know. Maybe it should go lower than that. Uh, it's above phenomenon. Face off. I mean, this is all. these are all like the meh. Yeah. The these meh. are all the meh scores. So they all kind of mesh together. All right. Here we go. From the bottom. Number 73. Yes. This has a sexiness score of zero, a story score of zero, uh, no facial hair. Uh, I don't know if it's real. <laughs> if it is, burn it. And for any special notes, it's a violation of the Geneva Convention. Jeff, what is this movie? 
The experts. The experts. The experts are still at the very bottom. The experts will always be at the very bottom. Our number 72 is a sexy score of zero, story score of one, because I get where it's happening in his life and it's where his face is going away. Uh, no facial hair, authenticity score, no chance in hell, <laughs> a war crime. I think you might like it, music video. Yes. Number 71, Battlefield Earth. Number 70, Magnificent Desolation, Walking on the Moon 3D. This is where there's like four... So from number 70 to number 67, the this is like the category of we don't see his hair. Yeah. So from 70 is Magnificent Desolation, Our Friend Martin 70, uh, 68 Bolt, and 67 Devil's Reign. Those all have like not applicable scores because mm. we just don't see it. All right, number 66, The Fanatic. Why did I watch this movie? <laughs> uh, number 65, Killing Season. It's very akin to almost I think you might like it where it's painted on, but he at least has a little scruff. 64, The Poison Rose. Uh, nothing really special about that other than it looks like a fucking lion's mane. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to put that as a one, a story, a two. Uh, it's got some scruffs. So I'll give it two. Um, authenticity. No fucking way. Uh in my notes lion's mane <laughs> so that has a five okay that felt good with that all right number 63 i am wrath because what the fuck is that wig criminal activity 62 bad wig 61 swordfish finale with the frosted white hair number 60 speed kills another bad wig uh, 59 from Paris with love because it's bald, but it's shiny bald and it looks really bad. Uh, Jeff is filming me do this whole ranking. 58 face off the Nicolas Cage face off. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not his real hair. 57 capital one Santa ad. <laughs> it's Santa beer. We had to cover the fucking capital one ad. Uh, 56 the wickedly talented Adele Dazeem because it's just meh and there's no story point in that. 55, White Man's Burden. The movie is a war crime. <laughs> 54, Orientation, a Scientology short film, because there's no story point in it. 53, Moment by Moment, Out of Control Long Hair. 52, Boy in the Plastic Bubble, Out of Control Long Hair. 51, Eyes of an Angel. Shrug. <laughs> <laughs> 50, Wild Hogs, Bandana Throughout. Uh, 49, The Taken to Pelham, 1, 2, 3. Fuck you, Cole Bradley. <laughs> 48, Urban Cowboy. He has a beard in the first 10 minutes, but then he wears a cowboy hat throughout. Uh, 47, Old Dogs. It's just his regular M-shaped McDonald's haircut. 46, The Forger. It's a wig, but it's an okay wig. Mm -hmm. uh, 45, Lonely Hearts. He wears a hat throughout, and it's just kind of regular yeah. hair. 44, General's Daughter. It's regular hair. 43, Welcome to Hollywood. Regular hair. 42, Thin Red Line. He wears a navy hat throughout. 41, look who's talking now, regular hair. 40, look who's talking to, regular hair. 39, look who's talking, regular hair. 38, Mad City, sideburns. He got the burns, though. He got the burns on that one. And the story does add a little bit, but his sexiness yeah. score is low. 37, savages, it's just short hair. 36, lucky numbers, it's just short hair. 35, basic, it's just short hair. Mm. 34, ladder 49, he wears a firefighter helmet throughout it. But he's got some facial hair. Mm -hmm. 
33, Boris and Natasha. We see it for 30 seconds. Boris and Natasha. 32, Broken Arrow, regular hair. 31, Face Off Travolta, regular hair. 30, Chains of Gold, regular hair. 29, A Civil Action, regular hair. 28, Phenomenon, regular hair with a stubble uh, facial hair and a haircut scene. Mm -hmm. 27, The Punisher. Uh, it's a little bit longer than regular hair. 26, Training Paint. Why the fuck is that 26? I don't know. I'm probably going to bump that down a little mm -hmm. bit more. Actually, I'm gonna give it a a three on looks and a so three changing on the student. Order. Yeah, so that now that makes it ten, which makes it a little bit more reasonable. I'm I'm gonna put Trading Paint actually below uh, Mad City. Remind me that. All right, I'll keep going up the list. Twenty five, Gotti. <laughs> it's a decent wig. It's a decent wig. Twenty four, she's so lovely. It's regular hair, but it looks okay. 23, a love song for Bobby Long. The dyed white hair and the stubble. He looks gnarly in it. I like the story purpose behind it. 22, shout. It's just regular hair. 21, basements, the dumb waiter. A little extra floofy. Mm -hmm. A little extra there's floofy. A little floof to I, it. I like well, it. Well, there's a little volume. 20, in a valley of violence. I like the story purposes of how he looks in this movie. So, But he wears a cowboy hat throughout. 19, two of a kind. He's still young. He looks a little sexy. 18, Domestic Disturbance. The Locks? Mm -hmm. The Locks? 17, Austin Powers and Gold Members. Uh, I gave it a score in the accessory category. I gave it a set a score of seven for the gold sideburns. Sideburns. The gold member look. It looked amazing. 16, Primary Powers. Uh, 15, Life on the Line. The modern day Life on the Line. Mm-hmm. 14, Swordfish, main look. Although the soul patch did knock it down a couple notches. Mm. Uh, 13, Be Cool. 12, Blowout. 11, Perfect. 10, Three to Tango. The bald debut. The bald debut, authentically bald with some scruff. 9, Get Shorty. 8, Michael. 7, Hairspray. 6, Pulp Fiction. 5, Grease. 4, Saturday Night Fever. 3, Carrie. 2, Staying Alive. 1, Life, Life on the Line. Flashback. Flashback. 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10. Is it real? Absolutely not. Not at all real, but I do not care. That's right, folks. That is the full authorized 73-part hair ranking for you. Stuart, remember when you started this kind of as a bit at the beginning and then you were forced then to stick with it for 73 fucking weeks? It kind of just, I don't know if I would say I was forced, but it just stuck on because yeah. I can't remember what episode it was. It was one of our early ones with yeah. our guest where they were like, so is this the part where we do the hair ranking? And I was yeah. like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you know about the hair ranking? You're like, yeah, you do, you, I've been listening to your episode. You've been doing a hair ranking. You've been ranking episode. the hair. I'm like, it was and Grease it, with, with Kathy. Yeah, and it just dawned on me like, oh my God. This is becoming a thing. Yeah. Like we have to maintain it now. And you've maintained it. And I've and maintained props it. Props to you. Props to me, yeah. man. Listen, mm -hmm. this podcast may be your baby, but the hair ranking yeah. is mine. Yes. And I, I just like, you know, I feel like this whole bit started and the reason why it survived is because it's such a quintessential part about who he is. Yes. Because it matters to him personally and it matters to him professionally. Mm -hmm. How his hair looks determines who this character is going to be and the effort being put into yes. who this character is going to be. Because you can do the regular McDonald's M style hair look like old dogs, or you McDonald's can give them a little M. bit of scruff and, yeah. you know, give them a little more sideburns or make him have like longer hair 
or give them a full fucking biker look. Yeah. I mean, like the the effort is what matters a lot yeah. to it. Is how is this guy gonna look in this movie? Mm. And there are movies that they put in a lot of the effort, and there are movies that don't. And I feel like, you know, hairdressers, you know, we they're the Oscars for best mm. hair and makeup and all that's good stuff, but hairdressers often get, you know, left behind in that yeah. conversation. And I just want to throw out there a shout out to all those hairdressers who work on film and TV and all their stage and musical and film productions that your work can truly become a make or break yes, of a movie. Yes, can really add to a thing. Can really add to it and, and also really take away. And that sheer responsibility on your shoulders, at least for me, and the purposes of when you accomplished it well, I am very mm. much appreciative of. Yes. So thank you for all those amazing moments. Fuck you if you dust, like, I don't know, put on a regular wig and called it a day. Uh, but yeah, your work is uh, appreciated. appreciated. And we did a whole ranking about it. Yes. Dedicated to our hairdressers in the film, yes. TV, and stage production industry. Our, our favorite HMU folks. Yeah. I think is that it? Are we done? Are we done? Have we I think we we summarized this era. We summarized Trolta's career. We ranked our movies. We ranked the hair. Did we are we closing the book? Are we finishing this? Are we closing the book? Do you have anything else to say? I think I think we I think I said my piece. I I think I've said my piece. This is this feels like a last day of school kind of energy where like a little bit. It just ends. Yeah. And they're like, well, I don't have anything else to do or say. Yeah. I guess we just write we in did the, the, end of the we book, did the thing. The end. And we close it. We're, we get on the boat to the land of the undying. Yeah, so folks We're closing the book on defaulting. We're closing the book. We're putting it on the shelf. We're not throwing it away. We're going to pull this book off again. When movies like Paradise City and American Metal come out, we're opening this book back up. We're talking about those movies. But you're not going to have to wait that long with no episodes of this podcast. Because there will be more. I'm going to lay out what you folks have to look forward to. For the next three weeks after this, on Tuesdays, starting with Tuesday the 28th, next Tuesday from when you're currently listening to this, of June. June 28th, Stuart, not May. We're recording this in May. Stuart just kind of gave me a look of terror. You folks will be looking forward to three weeks of greatest hits. We're going to go through the episodes. We're going to pick out our favorite moments, give you guys like a 30 to 60 minute little just like compilation of our favorite bits from each era. Starting with the beginnings era, then the A-list era, and then the Trollsploitation era. The last one of those will be coming out on July 12th. Uh, 2022 obviously and then we're not done we're not done we're not even taking a week off Stuart what is this look you're giving me right now keep going Jeff. about a week and a half we're gonna be we're gonna make an all change to our show we're gonna be posting our episodes on Fridays after that last recap episode comes out so it'll be a 10 day gap between that last greatest hits and the next episode of the show. The reason we're going to Fridays is because it's Fraser Friday, baby. <gasps> what? Starting July 22nd of 2022, Travolting will be presenting 
The Fraser's Edge. No Our fucking next way. You knew this. I knew this. <laughs> I'm trying to build well, up the yeah. suspense for the audience, Jeff. <laughs> we'll be segueing into The Fraser's, Fraser's Edge. Edge. Covering the films of Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Fraser. Starting July 22nd, 2022 with the movie Child of Darkness, Child of Light. You hear that, Jeff's neighbors? We're not done. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. <laughs> That's right, folks. Our next show will be, we've hinted at it, it'll be The Fraser's Edge, covering the films of Brendan Fraser, starting with the beginning of his career and working all the way up to the current day. Uh, We're excited to jump into that because it's kind of an inverse of the Travolta arc. He kind of starts with movies that don't really exist, gets A-list notoriety, has a little class, and he's currently on an upswing. So exciting we'll be able to do a show which ends on a positive note, ideally. Possibly. Mostly. With with any if Martin Scorsese can make a good movie, it'll end on a good note, which you know I'm I feel pretty fairly confident about. But that's right, the Fraser's Edge starting July twenty second, Fraser Fridays. Uh, look forward to it. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. Uh, we are taking a month and a half recording break <laughs> because yes, uh, we just need a little bit of time off. Yeah. Uh, but you folks will have continuous coverage every week. Um, there shouldn't be a gap for you guys, minus that extra like three days as we shift to a Friday recording or Friday posting schedule. Yeah. So you might see some thumbnails change. You might see some titles change, but fear not that podcast you are subscribed to is still Travolting. Yes. But it will be Travolting presents the Fraser's, Fraser's Edge. Edge. I think we've decided this. We've decided this. Yes. Um. So yeah, we're sticking with the name Travolting. Um, but Travolting, it, it's bigger than just John Travolta. It is. Travolting is an act. I agree. We Travolted for the past 73 weeks. Yes. And we are now going to Travolt into the career of Brendan Fraser. Yes. And we've you, just got done Travolting about John Travolta. Yes. And now we're going to start Travolting, travolting into the Fraser's, Fraser's edge. edge. So you folks have that to look forward to. Um, in the meantime, I just want to do a, be sincere for a moment. The importance of being earnest. And just thank you all for listening. Uh, it's been a real pleasure doing this. And I mostly just want to thank Stuart. <sighs> You've been a great pal, and you will continue to be. You've been a great pal, the best friend in the world, uh, for going through this with me with great spirits and just kind of keeping a good energy. And I've I've really enjoyed doing this. We became even closer friends doing this. And I just, I love you, buddy. And it's been a great time. I love you too, man. And I know there may have been some certain episodes where <laughs> I have... Uh, been a little less patient with your sh- <laughs> with my shit. Uh, stuff than normal, but uh, <laughs> please know that I do genuinely yeah. look forward to our Sunday recording yeah. sessions. They're always fun. It's always they're always fun. They're always there's always something to talk and about. I also want to thank everybody who's guested on the show. Yeah, I've everybody from Becca to Alex Wilson to Adam Campbell. Everybody who's been on this show has been a trooper. They've had a good like. It's been a great bringing all of our friends into this world because that's ultimately what this podcast is like these aren't we aren't like two guys that are hoping to make the next big buck like getting like millions of subscribers that'd be nice if we could yeah but honestly this came from two guys who like talking about movies who at the time were unemployed because of covid19 decided to bring about their skills combined mine with audio engineering and also being able to talk about movies but jeff with his Gotti slash Travolta obsession yes. and his ability to dive deep into the makings and subtextual parts of a movie yeah. and to bring that together to bring you 
a podcast and to also just have an excuse to hang out with each other on Sundays, not only with ourselves, but also with our other friends. My dad being one of them. Yes, your dad being one of them. <laughs> one of the biggest highlights of this podcast yes, for me. Was getting your dad on. Getting my dad it's on. It's on for a whole episode. Yes. So thank you folks again for listening, and we hope that you'll stick with us through the next uh, the next iteration of the show. Travolting presents the Fraser's, Fraser's Edge. Edge. That's right. And so, as always, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Is there a knock at the door? Oh, no. I'm going to go get the door. No. Jeff, don't do this. Not on this episode. Not on this episode. No, no, no. Guys, am I late? No! <laughs> oh, hey, Jack. No! <laughs> Jack, come on. Uh, Jack, I'm sorry. We, we're no! finished. We're finished. You, mi- you missed the time. You missed no, the segment. No, 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 no. Exit the oh, outro. Oh, Exit the outro. Oh, oh, no! Bill, Bill, every I invited Get them all out of here. I invited Get them all out of here, Jeff. I want him out leave. now. No, not Minnie Stu. Get them all out. I, I told him not to leave. Get him out of there. Close the podcast. I told, now. All right. Uh, Close the podcast. Papa Tor Reddit R slash Travolting. Find us the at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I am hitting the stop Travolting podcast at gmail.com. Such a thanks as always to Rebecca Johnson for a graphic time. Michael Vinvo to go Smith for a See you in a fucking six weeks. Hey.